0: on the Google Play or App Store, or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors, and you oughta, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly, edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up. For your new Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck, or a battery for your trail camera, or a specialized battery for your range finder, or a crazy toy that you bought for your kids, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. Stop into a local Interstate Battery retail store. Talk with a specialist, get the battery that you need, and go on about your day. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable.
1: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation. But we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. This week we're at Bear Camp in Arkansas, and we have two Bear Hunting Magazine Legends on the podcast. Well, three. Make it three. We've got my dad, Gary Newcomb. You hear me talk about him a lot. We've got James Lawrence. My Arkansas mountain man buddy and then the third legend is Colby Moorhead himself the bear tech we're sitting around literally a campfire and we're at our Arkansas bear camp we talked to my dad and James about uh, a little bit about their hunting Colby talks about his bear hunt I'm not going to tell you what happens he'll tell you what happens but this is a very fun podcast with a fun crew I'm holding to my hands right now a CVA muzzleloader. It's an Acura Mountain Rifle in MAX-1 camo. This gun is a it's a, it's a breakover. I've just broken it over. It has a breech plug that you can screw out by hand. You don't need any tools, which is pretty revolutionary for muzzleloaders. All the other muzzleloaders I've had, you've had to use a special tool. You, so you can take out this breech plug in the field. I like this mountain rifle, accurate mountain rifle. It's got a 24 and a half inch barrel. It's light and it has a Cerakote finish on it. I will be using this gun in Arkansas in just a few weeks. I've got to put a scope on it, but hey, check out CVA muzzle loaders. They've got some incredible products, a full range of muzzle loaders, and an incredible guarantee on all their stuff. We're also getting geared up. For some hound hunting this winter We're getting the squirrel dogs ready We're getting the coon dogs ready And check out W Hunting Supply For all your hound related needs Whether it be Garmin stuff Whether it be leashes and collars Whether it be specialty Hound gear for And hound merchandise Hats, shirts Our friends at W Hunting Supply Buddy Woodbury Man if you're buying anything it has to do with dogs buy it from w and buddy and his team check out our friends as well at the western bear foundation these guys are a nonprofit profit hunting conservation organization filling a very special place in the bear world in in our lifestyle of guarding the gate check out the western bear foundation a vital component of this week's hunt in Arkansas was Northwoods bear products. We use Northwoods on all of our bear baits. We used some of their gold dust powder. We also used their Gold Rush Fryer Grease Additive. If you're baiting bears, you need to be using commercial scents. It just doesn't make sense not to. And Northwoods bear products makes the highest quality, best bear scents around check them out at northwoodsbearproducts.net also check out their Instagram and all their social media stuff right now they're posting a bunch of photos of fall bear hunts of people using Northwoods check it out you're going to enjoy this podcast Gary Newcomb James Lawrence Colby and myself man it's starting to feel like fall yep would y'all say
2: Definitely.
1: Pretty incredible weather for the first weekend of Arkansas Bear season. We're uh we're sitting around a open fire outside. We're uh in the Washita Mountains out here in Arkansas. And uh Colby, this is a pretty legit setup here. Yeah. The, the, our guests. Yeah. Super <clears throat> legit. Because i know he doesn't know it now he knows how much his name comes up on the podcast yeah we've got some legendary bear hunting magazine podcast guests yeah on the podcast today Mm -hmm. i've got uh i've got my dad gary newcomb the one only (laughs) i can't hardly do a it seems your name comes up a lot you know it don't you
3: well I hear it uh, I hear you lying to the public.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. But but you know what what I think when I hear that is everybody talks about you know, when I was in business, people would come in and go, My mama told me this, my daddy told me this. I mean that stuff counts. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a if you're a parent Stuff you're saying will resonate for the rest of your kid's life. They'll be 80 years old and they'll go, my daddy Mm -hmm. told me something. So I don't think of it as me. I think that's the way we were made. We're made to think our parents know more than they really do. Well, let me ask you, do you... Did you or were were you lying to me all those years? No, I I mean I'm different. I'm I'm not like most parents. I mean I'm a stinking genius. Okay, Uh, but no, you know I'm like I'm just kidding. But no,
1: anytime I do a podcast, especially outside of just our bear hunting podcast, you you your name constantly comes up. Man, the wind has just picked up. Yep, it'll be all right. Will it be all right? We'll figure it out. Well, if you hear some wind noise, it's because we're. That's that fall. Yeah, it's that fall coming. Yeah, well, hey, the other name that comes up a lot is James Lawrence. How you doing, James?
4: Doing good. Doing good. You, you... always during bear season. Yeah, <laughs> man, Hello.
1: James. When uh, now you don't listen to the podcast, so or at least I don't think you do. So I don't think you realize how often i end up talking about you um you know your name has been mentioned on the meat eater podcast which is the biggest podcast in the land Mm -hmm. and uh your name was mentioned not directly but i talked about my dad but uh no so uh no everybody that follows what we do knows these two guys right here and of course they know colby moorhead the bear tech Yep. which colby is going to be the one of the stars of this conversation yeah don't tell him why but no uh, james how long have we been bear hunting and having kind of a bear camp
4: several years now i don't i don't know when we started really yeah um look forward to it every year this time of year especially yeah for bear season deer season used to be my now it's bear i love the the way we hunt the way we do bait yeah and get kids involved years mm-hmm. in particular um, uh, that means a lot to me. I enjoy them as much as I do hunting myself. I'd rather them, yeah, but I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's just seeing what we can come up with, the baiting that we do, how we do it.
1: yeah, you grew up here, so you uh so we're we're not gonna say exactly where we're at, but we're in just a little rural community in the Washtaws. And James, you've you've been here your whole life. Yep. You're seventy two? Yep. 72. Dad, are you
3: seventy two? Seventy two. When's your birthday? March seventeenth,
1: nineteen forty eight.
3: Forty eight.
1: When's your birthday? November the twenty seventh.
3: Forty eight? Forty seven. Forty seven. Forty seven, you're a little older. Just a
1: just a little bit older.
3: Yeah. It's you know you're smarter than me. <laughs> hey, you were about to say that's, shows. that that's 6 months. <laughs> that 6 months made a lot of difference. You learned a lot of stuff
1: I missed out on. Uh no, I James, I think we I think the first time we baited bears back in here was in 2010. I think it was 2010 and you let me and Lee Walt hunt your piece of property over there. Oh and- yeah. Yeah. And dad was helping us bait and we came in and Lee ended up killing a bear over there and we came back and you hadn't even told us that you were bear hunting. You did you you know, you just let us bear hunt over there and I didn't know you that well at that time. Um and now the way I knew you is because I wrote an article about you, uh, that was in Arkansas Sportsman. And I was gonna write an article about you for North American Whitetail and then you nearly died. Yeah.
0: Travel. Really? That I, I,
1: I had permission from, uh, from uh, shoot, his name has escaped me. <laughs> the longtime editor of uh, North American Whitetail. Um, what's his name? Golly, I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> anyway, like I had, and I was going to write an article about your shed horn buck of 1964, finding mm. these shed horns and finally killing this deer uh, when you were just a boy while your dad and uncles were off hunting without you. You stayed home and still hunted this deer and killed it. And, uh, and then you got real sick and, uh, and that kind of, we just, we just weren't able to do the article,
3: but you're back. Can can I say something about James? Yeah. You, You know, I'm a self taught hunter. No one in my family deer hunted. So, You know, I'd never professed to be a great deer hunter, but I love people who knew how to deer hunt. I started hearing James Lawrence, Daniel Lance, legendary figures, and I always wanted to meet James, but I thought, man, this guy, I mean, this is like meeting Daniel Boone. It'll never happen. (laughs) So Clay came to me one day and he said, dad, I want to meet, I want to meet the best hunter in Polk County. And I knew that James would be on the target list, but I had no way of connecting Clay to James. Mm-hmm. So, we went through Joe. Yeah. Joe Lyles. Uh-huh. I said, Joe's a real good hunter, and Joe is raised here, and he will put you on the guy. Well,
1: what I was trying to do, and this is a different article, is I was trying to write an article about mountain hunters. You know, just hunting in the national forests, just hunting in the mountains. And that's when... I called Joe Lyles and, and uh and Joe Lyles is a good hunter. Uh but he told me about you. And so uh yeah, I just went and knocked on James's door and we've been best buddies ever since. <laughs> yeah. You know,
3: he, he was just an he an iconic figure to guys like me. I mean, we just everybody knew the name, but you never had the opportunity to meet the guy unless you were local. So anyway, it was a pleasure to get to know what a humble guy and wonderful person James is. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be that humble. I would be telling you how good of a great hunter I was. <laughs> if you'd kill that many yeah. deer, you'd have I'd been be telling going, hey, everybody. Me, me monkey with me. I'm too good.
1: <laughs> Man, hey. Okay, this is the James segment. Yesterday, we were in James's garage, and he's got... He's had, to, he's had to expand his whitetail wall because he filled the whole wall up in his garage. So now he's hanging them out on the porch. But the old set of deer from when he was even a kid through the 70s and 80s is all in his garage. And these are things that I wouldn't really notice because I would expect James to remember a lot about those deer. But Misty took note, my wife was standing there, and and I just randomly went over and touched a couple of deer horns if you remember there's one that big old brow tines and these are just skull plates screwed on the wall and i touched a big old buck and james said he told us right where he killed it he said you know i killed that back there and it was told us the date Mm -hmm. and then i just i didn't think anything about it and i just went to the next one and said man that one right there is a cool deer and and james would say man that was in 84 Mm -hmm. and we gene and i had packed back in on the horse and da 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 and misty came back and she said he remembered every one of those deer mm-hmm. but i thought that was pretty cool
4: i hope i don't lose that yeah i, I do and yeah i won't say 100 percent. but i know there's yeah. a story behind all of them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if i can remember them so far i can yeah well that that, that one you was talking about was a special one anyway that it that, at the time, was the biggest deer I'd ever seen, and body-wise. Really? Body-wise. Oh, okay. And it had that unusual set of horns, the high guards or brow tines, whatever you call them. It was extreme. Yeah. Uh, different people looked at it, and they said, that's a G2. You don't have brow tines or eye guards. Mm. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. I'd say those are, as a Boone and Crockett scorer, those would be G1s. Right. They'd be brow tines. Right. right. They're probably nine inches long, a pair of brow tines that they curve up, just kind of match each other in symmetry on just a big old eight point, big gnarly eight point he killed
3: out here. Yeah. Well you know, we don't back then we didn't have a lot of deer. It's like everywhere, you know, I'm not saying that you were handicapped, but you know, you didn't have a lot of deer in the seventies and eighties and oh, for no. sure before mm-hmm. that. And uh, so Every area has their tradition of what a trophy buck is, and James was killing the big bucks. Now, if you compare it to an Iowa guy, just oh, like yeah. just like you, I mean, there's no comparison. No. no. Even no, Missouri. No. no, no. Uh, but. Or yeah. even
4: even South Arkansas, as far as that. You know, the farmland down there, really nice buck. Big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. These mountain bucks, there's an exception once in a while, but that's. That's a good average.
3: You know, the county has killed a few Boone and Crockett. And over the years, about every 10 years, there'll be a 160-inch buck to killed. In fact, when you were a kid, I was on... I forget the name name of the guy, but it was a 167-inch buck on uh, a particular road that goes through the mountains, and I actually hunted that deer, but... You know, I just can't stand to hunt big bucks for some reason. I mean, really. I mean, it just seems I just didn't, I just, I sat on a bucket one Sunday morning. He's not kidding. He'd rather go
1: sit where he sees a bunch of deer.
3: You know, I just, I I, I, I don't have patience. I I don't, you know, so many things go against me for killing big bucks, even though I've had plenty of chances. But this buck had huge rubs. I mean, I was just like going nuts. And I could follow this buck for over a hundred yards. On a trail that you knew it was this buck, um,
1: and for around here that's pretty rare. And it, you know where
3: it was. I'll tell you. I mean, uh, you know. I mean, it was just crazy. I'm going like I've never seen this obvious of a sign. And at, two weeks later, as soon as gun season opened or whatever, the guy killed it. I never serious. I never even put a stand up. I sat on a bucket one morning before church in a honeysuckle patch. And that, you know, I just thought, so, you know, I'm not a great hunter, but I've killed a lot of deer. You <laughs> know, I've killed a whole lot of deer, a lot more deer than a lot of people, but nothing that you want to, you just eat it. You know, well, you put are, it on the wall. You're
1: really good at uh, killing the deer, deer the way you wanted to kill them with a bow on public land. And yeah. we're doing it back before many people were doing it. Well, back before, yeah. Many people were doing it. You were doing it.
3: Yeah. You know, my buddies would be raised up gun hunters. Their whole family gun hunted. My family didn't gun hunt. They couldn't kill a deer with a bow. And I could. And it was weird. It was really weird because I didn't know much. But I just knew where you could go kill doe. And bucks would come in. and You know, but uh, anyway, it was kind of funny back in the 70s how... The guys that should have been good hunters could not kill deer with a bow, you know. Yeah. So, but I've never, you know, I just don't kill big stuff. You know, it's too hard to get them out of the woods.
1: <laughs> you know, there's there's larger <laughs> factors that play. <laughs> hard to get out of the woods. No, there's larger factors that play to what you're talking about. And to give somebody context, you were killing any deer with a bow back before people were killing deer and so that became really valued to you just to kill a deer with a bow on public land in Arkansas and our gun seasons start in the rut our gun seasons are pretty liberal here and so our gun seasons are starting the first week of November so you had basically the month of October to kill deer and you were just interested in filling your tags that's you it. know and so it just never became that big of a priority. To I would kill put a buck. my
3: my archery equipment up November fifth. I mean, it, to never. I mean, you know, every now and then I'd go out, but very seldom. Maybe once every five years I might hunt sometime in December. But uh, and you know that's where you set your goals. I mean, it, it's just a it's a a truism. Clay's heard me say this a lot about life. You set your goals low. That's what you're going to achieve. You know, if I have said, I want to kill big bucks, I probably, even though I've had plenty of opportunities, you know, I probably would have killed a bunch of big bucks. Yeah. Instead of killing a lot of small deer, I probably would have killed a few big bucks. But I don't want to do that. It's too boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> really. I mean, I'm just not geared to be, I'm geared to be a scouter. That's it. <laughs> I'm mean, good at scouting. Yeah.
4: I always allowed patience was the name of the game. And the older I get, the less patience I, I have. Mm. I uh, I could go to stand in the morning with a light and leave that stand at night with a light. And my granddad always said three days in the same spot to kill a deer. So mm. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. But if you sit there from daylight to dark, which I can't do anymore, um, that was one of my secret deals was just the fact. To three days. Find a good scrape line. And I used to, Back in the 70s, I killed more deer over scrapes. Mm. Nine o'clock in the morning. As a rule, I'd go to work at ten. I'd be there till nine. And I don't know what happened. It didn't it don't work that way anymore? But back in the seventies, you find a good scrape, uh, you set on it, daylight to dark in three days, you'd have him. Mm. So that way, you just look for the biggest track, the biggest hook push. So. Yeah.
1: What do you mean it doesn't work? It, it, you're being literal.
4: I, I, I can't scrape on anymore. I mean, I can't do any good scrape hunting.
1: They, you just don't see the deer.
4: I just don't. I don't have any activity. I can sit there, it well, I didn't have cameras then. We didn't have cameras. Yeah. Uh, we just went by the sign, you know, in the tracks. If i was, had cameras back then, I wouldn't have been sitting there because I wouldn't be getting no pictures. It's always night there, and they don't run scrapes. Of course, we got a lot more deer now than we had then. But back in the '70s, scrape hunting was the way to go. Hmm. You know, it,
1: it, I think there's something biological in what you've said because I've heard some really good local hunters, y'all would know who I'm talking about, tell me the same thing. As they said they said it, 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 and I I can't explain it, but they they noted the trend over a long period of time is that the buck sign is different than it used to be. And and I I mean I wonder if it just it hadn't to do with uh, low deer density and then high deer density, because now we have a lot more deer. And maybe somehow that's affected the way they're using and making sign. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I've heard too many people say what you
4: just said. Well, it was it was, uh, it was so much fun, because you find a scrape, a good scrape. I mean, you don't just, you know, they make them, but you find a main scrape that's been frequenting twisted limbs over the scrape.
1: Sit there for
3: three uh, days and you kill him. You know, I used to have that theory that three days, but I I could never sit on the stand three days.
4: Well, it, it worked for me back in the 70s. It don't anymore, but in the 70s, that was... What was, that the was the scrape business.
3: line important to you?
4: i try to, I always call them a main scrape. If you find a scrape, a scrape's a scrape. You find a main scrape, he frequents it, and it's not just one deer either. You sit there for three days, you'll obviously three or four bucks come to the same scrape. Which I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I would find what I call a main scrape one. And, you a know, big one. Big scrape. These little pod places you can sit on those. You might, but you find the main scrape. Um. I d- I can't now. I've tried it. I don't have the patience to sit in one spot on a scrape now. So now I've got a camera, so I can tell. Yeah. But then I didn't have. This may sound crazy, but I took twine. I found the main scrape. Didn't have any. It was over by the cabin and I had time that year. I took some twine around the scrape, hung it in bushes around the scrape, all a complete circle. And then I would watch that the next morning. I'd have, it'd be up when I'd leave at night. The next morning you could see where he come down and broke
0: a okay. little twine
4: opened up the scrape, and left. I didn't have a time element, but I knew I was there from daylight to dark. Um, I don't know how many days I'd hunted it, but I give up at noon and walk down to my cabin. I wasn't a quarter of a mile from my cabin. And I get back to my stand, and there's the twine broke where he'd come off the mountain, opened up the scrape, and where he would went off the side was that ridge that I was on. So basically, that deer was watching me. Mm. I believe that that deer was up on the mountain above me, he either smelt me or seen me because he he opened that scrape up while I was gone for thirty minutes for lunch break. You know, mm-hmm. I've had that happen and I twice. Quit. I quit. That was the last time that I died. really and truly die hard set on scrape. Mm. If I'd had cameras, it wouldn't took long to figure it out. Time element, but that's the only way I could figure out where he was coming from. When he come off the mountain, he broke that little twine, and I just had it circled him. yeah, and he done that while I was going to lunch, so <laughs> mm-hmm. so he whipped me <laughs> you know we
3: we had that happen down in southern Arkansas we We found scrapes that were like the size of your truck. I mean I can't remember they were just unbelievable to a young hunter. You're just going, you got to be kidding man, this is crazy. We would leave, maybe find it at ten. Uh, this happened one time. Find it maybe 10 o'clock. I'm just making that up. Then we go back to camp, mess around, come back that afternoon, and the scrapes worked. You know, so that two hour period worked. And then one day I had a, I like to hunt acorns, and I'm sitting here watching a spike buck eat all my acorns. And finally I run him off, and when I run him off, I look, and there's a huge buck. Yeah, one of our old that. spots, yeah. had been sitting up on the side of that hill watching the spike eat all those acorns, probably about ready to come down <laughs> and I mean yeah. he he was one of the he was one of the really big bucks in that area, had some big rubs around in different places, and uh, anyway, that's just hunting. That's how they get big.
4: Mm-hmm. They let the r- little ones go in first,
3: but if you can find a doe. In heat, early, just one. I mean, it just goes crazy. The woods goes crazy, and and, you know, I've only had it happen in forty years of bow hunting. I've only had it happen a couple times, where a doe would come in around the twentieth
1: of October.
3: Of October, and I mean, you know, you just—I remember Clay was off in college, and he came home. I said, Clay, you got to get out here. You got to hunt this buck. And uh, you know, I had a shot. 32 steps and, you know, you know, I just shot under it. It was huge. 12 point. One of those beautiful 12 points, you know, just bam, bam, bam. And, uh, 20th, 23rd of October, doe comes in next Saturday. I mean, I wait a full week to hunt it The next Saturday, the buck comes in again. I had a 10 point, a eight point, a six point one Sunday morning before no four point? before church. <laughs> no. No. And uh, Six, eight, it, I mean, 10, it, it was just crazy that <laughs> particular spot. And this buck would come up and click. I might have yeah. told this. Yeah, I think you, you know did. the clicking buck. I mean, it it was just. I learned more <laughs> in that one setting, I guess, than I've ever learned in my life about deer hunting. You know, but,
1: I wonder. I wonder how much our knowledge of deer hunting is anecdotal. And the word anecdotal meaning based upon experience not necessarily based upon science or per, based upon perceived experience like you know because like we have all these experiences in the woods and we come to a conclusion pretty quickly like predators humans in general we perceive data you know like you perceive something that's going on and then you come to a conclusion what happens and then you build a strategy around that conclusion and if that if it works then your 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 conclusion is validated but i think sometimes we even have we perceive data what's happening we come to a conclusion that may not be 100 percent right but we use that and we're successful and build kind of ideologies that maybe aren't even fully true, but they kind of work for us a lot of the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think I think hunters do that a lot because we're dealing we're not dealing in hard science. We're dealing in perceived, perceived I mean, it's not like we're logging entries and we're actually conducting research when we're out there. It's all anecdotal. We're sitting in a stand and We think this happened, but really maybe something else happened. But regardless, it doesn't matter because guys like you and dad figure out how to make it work, you know. And um, so I I find that the, the people and what I've learned from both of you guys is that get a strategy and stick to it. And become highly proficient at whatever method you have that works and you'll be a successful hunter. Like dad hunting like white oak acorns on public land, it's like he had that down to a science. You have down to a science slip hunting the national forest and uh, and moving through timber and and monitoring buck sign. And, I mean, you just can't hardly keep James from killing a buck. James doesn't know this, but every year he says the same thing. Every year for the last 10 years, this time of year, he says, man, I can't find a buck. There's no bucks around here. (laughs) And then by the end of the season, he's got two big racks hanging Mm -hmm. on the porch that he killed. Mm -hmm. Now, I wrote something about James the other day in the magazine. I said he has an uncanny ability to uh, just draw out game in places where other people can't. So... James, you can keep telling me there's no big bucks around, but you're going to find he's a, one. He's a liar, man. The
3: guy's lying. Yeah,
1: maybe that's what it is. <laughs> you're holding back yeah. on us, man. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> uh, hey, I gave him some intel yesterday where a big buck was because we saw one across the road in National Forest. A good, oh, really? A good buck. Yep. But he says there's a lot of people hunting over there. So, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hey, we're here to talk about bear camp. But all this to me this is this is good a good context to talk about bear camp because our our bear hunting here in Arkansas is supplementary to our deer hunting. That's just the truth. Like we don't bear hunt like this for the whole season. You know, we bear hunt like this for a few days or mm-hmm. maybe a week because these bears leave our baits and it's so Time consuming, so energy consuming to keep these baits going. It's like we have this flurry of activity that leads up to this one weekend where we can all get here, where the kids can be here, and we have this uh, fun weekend. This week we this this year we stayed at a real nice uh cabin out here. Yeah. That uh James built this cabin. Uh it runs off solar. James Carpenter. Mm-hmm. James is a carpenter, and and more than that. And he and his son hooked up all the solar. And this is a super cool place. But um what do you? Why is this weekend special, James? Like, why do you like this so much?
4: Well, it's a that's a hard question. But I I look forward to it from one year to the next. When we're slowing down from this, you know, three or four days, I, I hate to see that go. But I think about. The next year. There's yeah. three or four days here, or, or a week, maybe, that uh, we p- put a lot of effort into it, and it's worth every bit that we put into it. Yeah. Um, I enjoy kids' experience and what I did when I was a kid. A lot of people don't get to do that nowadays. Yeah. But a few days of bear season, just see the smile on people's face. Yeah. I like to rent last night he couldn't wipe that grin off his face Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well we've
1: got uh i think we're working with uh, between david's we're working with uh let me hold that we've got a, a problem with uh having these old guys on the podcast as they get up move around dad's getting <laughs> his coffee <laughs> Um, uh, I think we've got five bait sites out here and we can only bait on private land in Arkansas. Mm-hmm, Everybody right, knows that. Right. And, um, uh, we, it's funny they everybody's heard us talk about these baits. Some baits are just prone to have big bears and some aren't. Our baits out here kind of hit and miss with big, real big bears, mm-hmm. but we always have bears. And, uh, Let's just start. So, I was in, uh, everybody heard the last couple of podcasts, and I, me and Colby were in Montana mm-hmm. elk hunting. And yep. so, James was doing all the work for us. And we kind of, you know, I'm kind of in charge of gathering bait and I bring it down here. And then, James is kind of in charge of keeping the baits going because he's living, you know, he lives pretty close to these places. And so, before I went to Montana, I went and, uh, Got, a, got some bait. James also got some bait because I couldn't locate any bread up yeah. where I'm from. So James had to drive. But uh, been baiting these bears for about three weeks coming up to this, I think. And uh, so I brought three kids down here, Bear River and Shepherd. And uh, now Bear Newcomb has made a commitment to not kill a bear over bait. He's sticking to it. And to try to kill a bear in the National Forest.
4: I respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do. For his first bear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, I talked to him about three years ago because I knew we could put him on a bear bait and get him to kill a bear. And uh, there were several factors that went into it. But with bear in particular, I felt like that he had enough internal drive. And I just, you know, every kid's different. And I just wanted to give him a goal that he could move towards and he had hunted with me quite a bit out in the mountains and he, he loved it. Like he, man, as, as a parent, you you built this inside of me, dad, is that you shape the value system of your kids. You show them what has value and, and hunting bear over bait has incredible value, but with bear in particular, we've hunted national forest for deer and bear and I really emphasized that to him that hey this is a tough way to hunt them. this is a difficult way you got to be a woodsman to do this you got to have persistence you can't think about this in terms of a single season you got to think about this in terms of multiple seasons and uh and he I could see he was latching on to this and I said I tell you what how about what if, and I let him make the decision but I said what if you didn't kill a bear over bait and that's a tough decision for a he made, the, he made he pretty much he made that commitment when he was 12. Mm-hmm. He's 14 now. That's a tough decision for a 12-year-old to not take his bow and go out here and sit on a, not a for sure deal, because it's not, but a pretty for sure deal. Mm-hmm. While his brothers and sisters are killing bears mm-hmm. and getting validated by people and getting pictures put up on Facebook by their mama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. and bear just every year just like nope I'm gonna kill one out in the mountains I'm gonna mm-hmm. kill one out in the mountains and uh so um, uh, he'll he'll that's that's the decision that he's made so we got a tough row to hoe to get him on a bear out there but we're gonna try um but River and Shepherd hunted this weekend and uh but who got the Hot seat was Mister Colby, the Bear Tech Moorhead. Yep. Um, Colby, you. So this is your first time to come here. Yeah. And I tell you that you're in a coveted chair here, brother. Yeah. Uh, nah. What's What's it been like for you?
2: Oh, it's been great. I think the thing I was looking most forward to is meeting James. Yeah. You know, hear his name so much around the office, and this is like this guy is he for real (laughs) no now we find out he's been lying to us about these deer he knew where they
1: were all the time
2: yeah yeah (laughs) no no meeting james has definitely been a highlight of the weekend and uh just the kind of guy he is like not i mean not even knowing like all the history about all the bucks he's killed and everything just like meeting when you meet somebody as quality it's just like that makes it makes the trip worth it you know and so uh i think for me that's been a highlight and then I mean, yeah, getting to hunt with Shepard was awesome, too. You know, we sat so together. So,
1: describe, describe your hunt, then.
2: Yeah, so, my hunt, we, we had a bait that we decided to hunt it in the morning, but we had to watch and make sure there weren't any bears up there. So, we stayed stayed back, probably. Well, the wind
1: is howling. acorns yeah. are falling. Leaves are blowing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, we probably got within, like, 200 yards of the bait and glassed for a little while and saw that there was a bear there, so we had to wait for for uh for it to clear out and with this particular bait we were thinking maybe maybe if we got one early enough we'd have an opportunity to add another one so we thought that we could
1: maybe kill two bears maybe yeah we had a stand in this particular spot it was a big platform stand where on private land yeah you guys are hunting within walking distance of where we're staying yeah so that's yeah. pretty unique. Yeah. I mean, they're literally walking up the hill a hundred yards to bear bait.
2: Yeah, yeah. It hasn't you, been bad at the all. As a matter
1: of fact, you guys had it really easy. We had
2: it really easy. <laughs> and we had a lot of space. The the hardest thing was we didn't know we needed to take chairs, so we had to we had to deal oh, with the hard plywood. Poor and I know nobody told you. I know. I mean I thought we were gonna be dealing with strict <laughs> luxury and we just
4: I didn't think about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it either. I just envied the big <laughs> in the yeah. platform stand. Yeah, I we, didn't know you
2: didn't have to. <laughs> I did. We endured. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. No, it was just fun hanging out with Shep out there, and it's just not often that I hunt with other someone else inside the stand. And Shep and I have been, you know, playing basketball together and stuff, and so it was just fun to do something different, and. uh. Yeah. So is. you
1: hunted the morning? Hunting so the morning. So open, opening morning, you, you saw a bear from about 100, 100 and something yards away.
2: Yeah, the hunt, the hunt was on before we even got in the stand. And, hey, that's exactly what
1: I tell people to do, Colby, is that if you're hunting bears in the mornings, you got to be careful because the bear's going to be there all night. Mm-hmm. And if you all had walked in there before daylight with flashlights, you would have spooked that bear, oh, for sure, so you waited till daylight, and sure yeah. enough, there was a bear
2: there, and you let it walk off, yeah, we, and then you went to the stand and then you hunted the whole morning and it never came back, never came back and then uh we we I think we could, probably could have stalked the bear, but we didn't want to blow it out, we didn't know what the wind would do, so yeah. we just hunted the morning until about ten thirty and then just came out and went back that that afternoon around four and uh, just sat there and that bear came out eventually and was real like nervy Um, and then it left and then it came back just like I mean just like it had done this a million times like it had this whole thing like it was smelling the wind and just like real nervy and so it finally came in and we were able to get a a shot off on it and uh, anyways looked like a great shot you know yeah. <laughs>
1: 20 yards,
2: yeah, 20 yards exactly. Now,
1: you know, I'll give the I- abbreviated version. The bear at probably an hour and a half before dark, they saw the bear pacing up on the ridge, which yeah. is real typical. These bears are coming in downwind of these baits and staging out there. Mm-hmm. And so, this bear smelled them and knew they were there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so it wasn't coming in. And then, some yard dogs about It's actually about a half a mile away. Yeah, but started barking. We didn't tell you this, James.
2: I didn't hear that. The dogs (laughs) actually came up there. Oh yeah, ate some of the bait and everything.
1: Yeah, dogs, (laughs) man. Yep. Didn't know that. And so, but the dogs were still over there across the road. They started barking, and the bear just left out, just took off.
2: Yeah, up the up the hill. The
1: dogs quit barking, and uh, bear came back. The bear ends up coming back.
2: Yeah, like uh, fifteen minutes later. Yeah, 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 and so he um, was able to get a shot off, and we played it back, and it looked like I looked like a tin ring. It's like that bear's just laying up there, you know. And so, uh, <laughs> but Shep, he had, he was like, I think it might have been a little far back, and we think he saw like my fletching or or something. So the way the bear acted wasn't typical. Like it ran up the hill a little bit, stood there for a minute, and then just moseyed off like nothing had ever happened. And so that didn't make sense to with like what I saw or what my shot did, but it made sense with what Shep thought he saw. And <laughs> so I was like, so the oh. bear
1: acted like it was hit far back. Yeah,
2: I was thinking but it's like he
1: felt like it was a double lung. Yeah, I
2: thought it was a great shot and sh- And so I was like, well, maybe I didn't see it right because that bear was kind of acting like like that. So we I we had filmed it, and so I I punched in on it, and I mean it looked like a perfect shot, and so. I'm feeling really good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so we, um. anyways, we looked the video a couple times. Ah, oh, that's a great shot. That's where you want to put it. We go up there to to track it, thinking it's going to be an easy track. And uh, we're not finding a whole lot of blood. And then we start finding a little bit of blood and a little bit more blood. And then bear barely laid let's,
1: down. Let's, let's stop right there. You came back to camp.
2: Yeah, I didn't and, touch the arrow or anything. I just backed out. And I didn't know. by the
1: time you got back here... My mom and dad were here. Yeah. James and David had come. There were probably 15 people here Mm -hmm. within White Oak and on the tin roof. I don't know if they could hear that. (laughs) Uh, Probably 15 people here. And when we went up there, I bet there were eight of us tracking that bear. which honestly is not an ideal situation. But nobody wanted to stay
2: back. (laughs) Yeah. It's too easy. Let's just walk up the hill.
1: Everybody was just like, (laughs) let's go. Yeah. that's that's – if it had been a a little bit different situation, I probably would've said, Hey, let's let let's just get about three of us and go up there. But yeah. the kids wanted to go. Yeah. And so anyway, so we go up there thinking it's gonna be a fifty yard trail job. Yeah. And we don't find it Dad, he just tin ringed that bear. He did. Tin ringed it, and there was no blood and the bear didn't hardly act like it was hit. And we finally found blood twenty, thirty yards. I mean, started finding good blood probably thirty yards from yeah. where the bear was shot, mm-hmm. and it was deep red, kind of like muscly cavity type blood. And I thought, well, he's hit it, yeah, and,
2: low. Well, and even the arrow didn't look. The arrow was
1: almost clean. You, the, the, and we're 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 going to describe something to you here that's typical of bear, which is. That was that was mysterious.
4: That was the cleanest pass through I've ever seen. Yeah,
1: yeah. The arrow—if he'd have just put it in his quiver, you probably wouldn't have been able to pick out which arrow had been shot. No. And
2: did I impress you?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And and so we we finally get on decent blood, and we trail this bear, and we find where he laid on the right up against a big pine tree. Um and i said oh man this bear bedded down that's not good because it wasn't it bedded down it wasn't laying there but we saw good blood coming out of the bed so you know it'd been two and a half three hours and so we're like well let's just go a little bit further mm-hmm. we go another 10 12 yards and there's another bed and then we go oh man that's not good but we see good blood and the bear starts to turn downhill and so And I'm telling the kids to get back. And, you know, I think probably the most dangerous thing we do as bear hunters is trail wounded game, especially at night. I mean, that's how you could get chewed up. I mean, of all Mm -hmm. the things we do, aside from driving on the highway, getting chewed up by a wounded bear is a real possibility, especially with something like that. So I'm thinking about that with all the kids. and Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, get back, get back, everybody. And we're trying to track this bear. And anyway, we go down another 10 yards, and there's another bed. And finally, I say, that's it. We got to get out of here. This, You know, you this bear is alive. Mm-hmm. And so we all back out. And uh, to make a long story short,
2: mm-hmm. we go
1: track another two bears. Yeah. Not one. We tracked Brent's bear and Aaron Marshall's bear. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get back here, and we'll talk about those two. Yeah. But we get back here at...
2: 11 something probably. Oh, it was later than that, wasn't it?
4: No, when we started, it was about yeah. oh, 11 11.30. 11, mm-hmm. Okay, something. we get back here oh, the, Gerald was leaving a little after 11.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: We about 11 o'clock, we go back mm-hmm. up there, and that bear had ran 15 yards past where he last was. So, I mean,
2: mm-hmm. well, it laid down one more time by some big bedded
1: root. four times yeah. in probably
2: 60, 70 yards. Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, uh, and so we do a necropsy. That's a new word, James, that we've learned. <laughs> a necro- it's not an, an autopsy. Is specifically for a human. Is that, is that right, Kobe? Yeah. So yeah. if you if you are examining the internal organs of a dead human, it's called an autopsy. autopsy. Yeah. If you're examining an animal, it's called a necropsy. Yeah. That's our understanding. Yeah, I've done it on a horse before, the vet.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a necropsy.
1: So we're curious as to what where he hit this bear. And so we opened it up real real delicately. And the bear was hit in the lower portion of the lungs. They had double lung shot and two of those slick trick blades raked down the heart. There were it actually cut the heart and hit two lungs. And that bear bedded four times and was bleeding this, you know, dark maroon blood. I mean, just still. Now, did the bear die in the amount of time that it was supposed to? Yes. The bear died within 100 yards. That's normal. The blood was not normal. The bedding down was not normal. And the way the bear acted was pretty abnormal because it ran off real fast and then it just walked. Usually you double lung them, they do just like a death run. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of weird things about it. And I I don't know what to say other than just every bear is different. I think a lot of blood trails have to do with the amount of fat a bear has. And we've been talking about this year, how every bear we've skinned has had an incredible amount of fat.
3: Yeah. What are your thoughts? Hey, you know, I'm sure this is not right, but this is what I think. That deer, that bear did not even know it was hit. It's like Mm -hmm. a bee sting and it goes, it jumps and it takes off running and it looks around and he thinks, Well, there's no, you know, there's no bee, there's no I mean other bears. And so it just it just it. Mm-hmm. says, Man, I don't feel good. I think I'm gonna take a nap. And then it gets restless and it goes, you know, I think you know, I wanna get away from here. And I don't think the the bear knew it was even hit. Yeah. Yeah. But wouldn't you say it's abnormal for a double lung, heart shot animal to bed
1: four times in seventy yards?
3: Well very, very. But yeah. the 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 I've animal probably died like you said in the appropriate amount of time you know i mean it it died within three minutes eight minutes ten minutes yeah but but every time it would bed down, you would think I'm not feeling good I've got it and i it just all came together for me
1: that the 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 arrow was in the very bottom of the lungs mm-hmm Like, so it still had a lot of its lungs. I heard uh, somebody talking the other day about how uh, not all liver shots are created equal. If you just nick the liver, if you dead center of the liver. So I think that arrow went through a pretty, I mean, any part of the lung is vital, Mm -hmm. but it went through the very lower section of the lung and Mm -hmm. it just scratched the heart. Mm -hmm. I think that bear just had a little bit more life in it, even though it was, very much so, mortally wounded.
4: What mm-hmm. right. do y'all
2: think? I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah, I agree right. with that. Yeah. Well, for your first Arkansas bear. Yeah, you've killed a bear up in Canada.
2: Yeah, yeah. My first state. We're
1: dodging, dodging smoke here.
2: Yeah, I'm getting smoked out. uh Yeah, my first U.S. bear.
1: Yeah, so you killed a bear in Canada. Were you, yeah. Were you excited?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. After
3: it finally was like, oh yeah, it was good.
1: <laughs> oh, there's always drama, man. Yeah. You wonder if you killed him or not. Hey, you know? I would
3: like to say that the picture of those two bear and with Bear, the human bear, <laughs> yeah, with his eight point buck there was one of the prettiest bear pictures I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. You'll probably see it in Did the you magazine. See it, James? That,
4: that's priceless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. They'll see it in Bear Hunting that, Magazine.
3: That's mm-hmm.
4: cool.
1: Well, and, and so now that's a great segue into where those other animals came from. So Brent Reeves, our buddy Brent Reeves, who's been on the podcast mm-hmm. a lot, Brent was hunting over here a couple miles. And uh, now Brent had wasn't really part of the camp that much because he just drove in real quick and started hunting. Um, but he shows up at camp and says, hey, I killed a bear. Yeah. And uh, so you'd killed a bear, he'd killed a bear. Yeah. And so we go over to help. Brent, all of us, just a whole mob of people yeah. go over to help Brent track his bear, and he'd heard it death moan
2: Five times.
1: Yeah. So Brent's killed two bears, and both of them have death moaned. I can't remember the last time a bear I killed death moaned.
3: For real. Your first bear did. Yeah. We remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dad was with me, the first bear I killed, and it death moaned. But so we go over there, and when we get there, some of our other friends, this is just a small, <laughs> tight-knit community. That's the That's the answer to we, we get over there and on the side of the road is a truck that we recognize and it's uh they wouldn't mind us saying their names it was it was Aaron Marshall and his dad Ken and uh, they say well we've shot a bear and uh it's funny because Aaron listens to this podcast and and uh, he told me where he shot it and he said you know he said they'd listen to I can't remember which podcast they listen to well, we find Brent's bear. I'm coming. I'm going to come back to Aaron because we learned some stuff on his bear as well. Um, we find we find Brent's bear relatively easy because it had only run about forty yards and mm-hmm. it was a very nice bore. Yeah, we think three fifty plus. Um, James found it. James found it. Yeah, we were all over the hillside. That this bear. There's just almost a straight cliff, and we find this bear wrapped up around kind of a, a tree, about a two-inch sapling on the side of this cliff. And, Je- and Brent and I get to the bear, and I pick up its head to look at it, and we're high-fiving. And when I pick up its head, the body <laughs> shifts, and that bear just goes to <laughs> the bottom. I mean, just disappears. Poof! And goes all the way down the creek.
2: <laughs> it was a bobsledder. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so yeah, we relocated really. our. Uh, we relocated to the creek, and uh, now so Brent just made a great double lung hit. You know, mid mid body. You know, dead center to the lungs. The bear didn't go far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then. We got Aaron had shot a bear, and it was his first bear. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little ways up the road. And so we said, well, let's all go help Aaron track his bear. And so we go up there, and we track the bear, and it was almost identical to your blood trail. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It,
4: Two in one night. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, weird. Just kind of a mystery what happened. It was this deep red blood, um, found multiple beds within 100 yards, And finally, after the third bed, and it had been like five hours since he shot it, so we waited the appropriate time, which that's the biggest thing is give him time. And we, at the third bed, I was like, we got to get out of here, guys. This is, we we just got to come back in the morning. And it was getting real thick. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We all dropped out. And then Aaron and then went back this morning and found the bear 20 yards from where we stopped.
4: Where we turned around.
1: Yeah. And uh so they came by this morning and had the bear in the back of the truck. Yeah. We helped them skin it. The bear it's been cool, so the bear was in good shape. Um mm-hmm.
3: so they were able to, you know. Have you do you have any safety tips on tracking a bear like that? Is it legal to carry a pistol? I and, mean I mean it it's dangerous. I think yeah. back about that bear we tracked and Oklahoma, how crazy that was! I mean, yeah. we were out there. This bear, you know. I thought later, you know, man. I mean, it's it's amazing more people aren't hurt tracking a bear yeah. at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you yeah. got to track them. Yeah, uh, you know, the
1: only safety tip I would give is, yeah, if it's legal to, uh, uh, if it's legal to carry a, a sidearm do it. And in most places, it would be for tracking a bear. It is here. We can carry it. You know, I had a a warden one time. I specifically asked him in Arkansas if I could carry a sidearm. And he said, what kind of sidearm? And basically, he was like, if you're carrying a 270, then that's uh, not okay. And I said, I'm carrying a 10-millimeter Glock with a 4-inch barrel. And he's like, that's fine. So his... In Arkansas, at least his ideology, this one warden was just carry a gun that shows intent. You know, don't carry a don't carry your 300 wind mag with a scope on it during archery season out in the woods. But if you're carrying a sidearm, you know, a pistol, short barrel pistol, you're probably okay. And mm-hmm. now, I don't somebody needs to check with their warden. But I don't. I usually don't carry a sidearm around here. But uh, a lot of people do, and it's probably a good idea too. But, uh, but yeah. So we so there's our three bears. Yeah. That we had, and then bears buck. You had to. Mm-hmm. So this we got this cool photo of Colby's bear, Brent's bear, and then Bear Newcomb, my son, had uh, because he wasn't bear hunting over bait.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We let him deer hunt. Uh, James put just put him slap put him on a buck. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the first two hours of daylight, Bear had shot a nice eight-point buck with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to get a compound bow, but it hadn't come in because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Bear had killed the buck, so we got the buck and the two bears. And uh, just a great weekend, man.
3: Mm-hmm. Question. You know, I'm not much of a bear hunter. In fact, I'm not a bear hunter. I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't do it much, if ever. But when I looked at the bear, Colby killed, that shot looked perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But technically, it was low based on what y'all saying. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if you, if maybe when Clay does the magazine, he might even circle that and show where he shot that bear, because I mean, it was, it was perfect. It was six inches up from the silhouette
1: of the bottom of the When bear. you
3: looked at it, did you think the shot was perfect? Oh yeah. But it was low. It was low. Mm-hmm. So I mean, th- that is crazy. And your observation is pretty interesting too, that, uh, shooting low in the lung would allow that bear to live another three minutes or yep. five minutes. And
1: that, and that, and that's a good way to look at it. An animal living another three minutes and having a lot of energy in that three-minute time frame can
3: be the difference in finding it or not. Mm. And, you know, that that bear was reacting to its body. You know, it was going, man, I don't feel good. I need to move. I need to go get an aspirin. I need to do something. Mm. So you know, you think just... they have aspirin out here? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> James gives it to him in the bait. <laughs> yeah. Pretty intriguing deal, really. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot to be yeah. learned from that shot. I think. Well,
1: yeah. man, people ought to go back and listen to if they have questions on shot placement. I tell you, what, I've been in a lot of bear camps, and wounded bears are a real deal. They're just mm-hmm. so different than whitetails, and I mean, we could. I don't want to go into all the details of shot placement on this one, but there's it's nuanced. You better make sure you got your ducks in a row before you pull a trigger on a bear.
3: Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I would say, but I wouldn't do it. I'd follow your instructions. But when you see a shot like Kobe had, and you know it's a good shot, go ahead and stay with the bear. You wait three hours, the bear's dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's dead as a stinking hammer when y'all turn around. Yeah, he was. So, so really, you should have went ahead and said, you know, hindsight, 2020, the best thing to do is come back. But technically, when you see that error and it's gone through both lungs, that, that sucker is as dead as a hammer. Man, you ought to have seen the error though. If you'd have seen that error, you would have said it was an optical illusion, what we saw. Well, you know, when, when that thing goes <laughs> through a deer. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, okay. It's it, When it goes through yeah. a deer, you know you're gonna see that thing's going through hair on the way out. It's and almost fat. like yeah. you got it you got a filter out there cleaning your arrow off, yeah exactly, but anyway, yeah, yeah it was it there's
1: always a lot of nuance inside of these things that's that's hard to predict James was saying every year something new happens. And we're, there's always some drama, uh mm-hmm. you know, and, and we always, you know, we usually, we almost always recover the animals, but there's, none of them are the same. But I mm-hmm. like those blood trails like Brent had mm-hmm. that just, you know, you want to hit the center of uh, of the vitals for
3: did, sure. Did we ever track blood
1: on his? No, nah, we, well, they heard it. They heard it moan just yeah. right over there, so we were just looking for a bear. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't very far.
3: You know, I just wonder if that moan is not when you get the perfect kill shot. Yeah.
1: I thought about that last night. What dictates a death moan? You know what Brent asked me on the way back? Brent and I, we were up till 4 a.m. last night. We had to go into town to get ice, and he said – uh he said, what do you think about the death moan, Clay? And I, I didn't really know what he was getting at. And I just said, I said, it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. There's only a couple of, as far as I know, there's only two big game animals that death moan. And one of them is some type of buffalo, maybe a Cape buffalo. Uh, they're the only big game animals that do that. And a death moan, for those who wouldn't know it, some, I found about 20% of bears that are killed
3: death moan. How would this be? Only 20% of them were shot where they're going to die within 40 yards. That yeah. that bear knows absolutely he is a dead animal. I mean, you've hit him center of center or heart. Right. And he goes, hey, man, this is it, so I'm going to do my moan. Yeah. So where if you shoot just a little low, <laughs> right, I mean, he, he doesn't off. even know. I don't think your bear knew, knew that he was even hit. Yeah.
1: I think you're on to something there because I had I had the 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 or the beginnings of that thought and I didn't pull it all the way through but I had the thought for the first time yesterday. I wonder if there is some type of if you could really get the data to see okay on this type of shot bears death moan and on these type they don't. I do know for certain well here's a this is true is that when they like if an animal Goes off, and if it's like a liver shot, and they die a couple hours later, which is not ideal, but it happens. They're not going to moan. No, they only moan on a true kill. Ring. That first
3: deer that or bear, bear that you killed, I doubt if we did an autopsy on it. But do you remember it, oh, where yeah. you it was hit just
1: it? Is it this a perfect? Well, it wasn't a lung. heart
3: shot. Double lung. Double lung. That that bear knew it was dead. I mean, it knew it was and dead. It ran fifty yards it, or thirty. Yeah. I mean, it, and it was a little downhill, and he yeah. only got, I remember, 30 yards. Maybe so. It could have been 50. And uh, I think that's it. I mean, if you kill that bear and you got the perfect shot, it's going to go, uh-oh, this is, my clock is expired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the yeah, other he... guy doesn't even know he's hit. hmm Yeah.
1: Brent was saying that uh, he said it, it affected him to hear the bear do that, you know? because it 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 really does bring to a very intense focus that you've taken the life of an animal mm-hmm. you know you shoot a deer and it runs off and dies out of sight you 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 have shot that animal you've been a part of its death you've been the cause of its death mm-hmm. but a big majestic beast like a bear shooting it and then it going out there and if you've never heard it, you won't believe it when you do
2: yeah I still haven't heard one.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's incredible. Um, when uh, James had to step out for a second there, James, have you heard one death moan? A bear, death moan.
4: Oh uh, yes, the first one I killed with a bow um, went about thirty yards, just out of sight, in death moan. Uh, had two. Hmm. Both of them were young bowers. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't. Uh, The bigger ones didn't death moan, but the first one and third or fourth one moaned. Uh, Brent said his...
1: Yeah, that's what we were just talking... James had to step away for a second. Yeah, we just went through all that. We were talking about the death
4: moan. Multiple times. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's a mysterious... It's mysterious. I would like to understand the biology... Of it, because there's a reason. Everything that happens in the natural world, there's a, there's a reason, there's a purpose behind it that can be explained in some way. And I've never heard much commentary on the death moan, but uh, it certainly makes you be very aware that you've taken the life of an animal, and uh, and makes you want to utilize that animal to the highest levels of responsibility that we can as as hunters, mm. for sure. But, uh, well, incredible weekend. It's great to be able to spend it with all you guys for sure. For sure. James, any closing thoughts? You ready for next year?
4: Thinking about it. We're going (laughs) to do
1: anything different next year?
4: Hope it's the same place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same outcome, I hope. Yeah. Plenty of bears. Well,
3: there should be. Dad, closing thoughts? Good, good hunt. Beautiful mm. photo.
1: Mm hmm.
2: Colby? No, I'm just glad to have been able to participate this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it really was good. Got to meet a lot of new cool people and yeah, yeah, just have a good bear camp.
1: Good bear camp. Well, all right. We are, uh, we're gonna do the the kids are gonna to continue to do some hunting this afternoon, and then uh, I'm gonna be hunting national forest. So I, I haven't really hunted this weekend. I've just been kind of chauffeuring people mm-hmm. and skinning bears. That's the main thing. I'm that's what I'm good at. Just skinning bears. That's all.
2: <laughs> Getting um, some practice in. Yep. But uh, Takes you know, practice. You know, yeah. they say James. Yeah.
1: They say that uh, bear grease helps uh, arthritis, arthritis and yep. hands and yeah. stuff and you, mine and yours particularly our hands are I kind of have a nice sheen on my hands right now from all the bear oil that's been on them yeah. it kind of makes you feel good yeah. I feel I moisturized I think it's like rocket fuel for your soul <laughs> to have your fingernails just full of bear grease yeah
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: well appreciate it guys keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live yep
0: Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors, and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly, edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up It is where the adventure begins.